Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. I'm excited to be here. Like uh, Farhad said, uh, I was out of town last week, and it, it, it just kind of feels like a long time. It's amazing being away one week, and I'm like, I wonder how's everyone doing Wonder who got new haircuts, you know? Wonder if anyone got a new pair of jeans that they're gonna wear. Like, I just kind of miss you guys. So it's great to see you and to be here. We've been having a great time over the last couple of weeks in this series called True or False. True or false. Turn to the person beside you, say true or false. True or false. How many people you you like true or false questions? Like you're taking an exam. You're down with true and false. Anyone you like the true and false section? I like the true and false section. You got a 50-50 chance. Even when you don't know, you throw down a guess, right? Now, here's the crazy thing. There are some people who, because they don't know, they don't even take a guess. That's crazy to me. You're sitting in an exam, you're like, well, I didn't know the answer, so I left it blank. Just throw a guess down. It's either true or false. There's a T, there's an F. This is not rocket science. Just pick one. But in life, when it comes down to, to statements that we would live by, we, we kind of want to know we're doing better than guessing, don't we? We, we kind of want to have the assurance that it's better than just a random guess because there are some statements of truth that actually have pretty far-reaching ramifications for our life. And so getting that initial guess wrong actually would mean something. So a few weeks ago, we looked at the statement, uh, truth is absolute, true or false. We had fun with that. Last week, Kobe uh, shared a great message. Uh, it was, I can love Jesus without loving the church. True or false? Great, great statement. Today, I want to talk about, about this, uh, this statement that is used often, statement that probably finds its way into lots of people's Facebook profile descriptor of themselves. That statement is this, everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. True or false? Interesting statement. I think before we can really answer that question, we have to consider what is it that people are trying to say when they say everything happens for a reason. This morning, I, I ran into a friend and he said, what's new? I said, oh, we, we have a new baby, which has been exciting. We've got a three-week-old little baby in our house, which is great. It's the seventh child uh, in our household. So there's nine of us in our house. And uh, people are like, how, how crazy is it? I'm like, it's only like slightly crazier than it was three weeks ago. It's about the same crazy, but uh, it got a little cuter, and so we're excited about that. And, and I said, what's new for you? Oh, you know, he had some things planned for the fall. And then I said, hey, I, I, this morning in church, I'm going to be talking about this statement, and I wonder what you think. I said, the, the, the statement is this, everything happens for a reason. Do you believe that to be true or false? He said, oh, that's true. I said, cool. Now, based on that, what do you mean when you say everything happens for a reason? And he kind of scratched his head for a minute. And he thought for a second. He said, you know, to be honest, I'd have to get back, back to you. I'm not really sure what I mean by that. I don't really know what that means. You can't just throw that at me like that. It's interesting. Isn't that funny? I, I've met people who they're like, you know, this is the one statement that I live by, the one truth that I build my life upon. I don't know much. I don't know everything. I don't know my future, but I know this. Everything happens for a reason. You know, throw a few emojis on, make it your Instagram profile. You're like, yeah. And people are like, wow, wise. That's guy, that guy's really wise. Everything happens for a reason. Thanks for that. 
It's interesting because I find that, that for the most part, we throw around the statement, everything happens for a reason when we are left with a big question mark in life that we just can't come up with an answer for. So we observe someone else walking through a, a trial. We observe someone else experiencing pain. We see someone else going through a disappointment and uh, not knowing what to say, certain that they're looking to us to be the wisdom that they're looking for. We, we don't know what to say, so we simply say this. Well, don't forget, everything happens for a reason. Have you ever been, uh, like, had, had that response given to you? Has anyone ever tried to give you that advice? What's the appropriate answer for that? Thank you? Or something else we wouldn't repeat in church? Like, what's the, what's the appropriate answer for that? You're walking through pain. Your heart is broken. You're single again. And someone comes up like, well, you just need to know everything happens for a reason. Am I right? Thanks for that. What do people mean by that? Now, I suppose they could mean this. They could mean that nothing happens without a cause. Like there is no effect without a cause. Things don't just coincidentally, spontaneously happen. That there is a cause that led to them. That, that could be what they mean. They could mean that there is a reason that this took place. Like in a crime scene, in Walk the Detectives, they, they, they put a perimeter around it. They're trying to survey what took place. None of them are just saying, well, I guess it, I, I suppose this just happened. They're all saying that this happened for a reason. Can we determine what the reason was? What was the cause? I guess people could mean that there is a cause to every effect. And that would, that would be true, right? That statement would be true, that nothing just happens. There was a reason why it happened, like something caused it to happen. A, a few weeks ago, I was, uh, I was making dinner for my family. Every Monday, I make dinner in our house, and I call it Macho Monday. And uh, my, my plan on, on Mondays, I just come up with an idea of a food I think might be good, and then I try to make it. And so that's, that's about as, as strategic as it gets. So I come up with the thought, what would be hard to make? And then I think, I wonder how people make that. I go buy that thing from the grocery store, and I try to make it. It's great. It's like a DIY dinner party at our house. And so a few weeks ago, I was, I was making dinner, and I, I, like, I buy random vegetables. I'm like, I wonder what that vegetable tastes like. Uh, I'm going to try it. I wonder how one prepares fish properly without causing disease. I'm going to try it. I, I just try things. And so in this particular dinner, I'd bought all sorts of vegetables, and, and one of the vegetables I, I bought was a zucchini, okay? We've all seen a, a zucchini before, pretty simple. And I, I had laid out all the things on the counter, and then I had gone to do something else. And when I came back to the kitchen, there was a bite taken out of the zucchini. I was retracing my steps. I'm like, that bite wasn't in there when I was in the grocery store, was it? No, it wasn't there. And I saw a few other like pieces of evidence. The, the chunk of zucchini that had been taken out of the original zucchini was, was on the top of the garbage can, okay? Like garbage was there and it was on the top. I thought, well, that's interesting. So I called my kids. I said, hey, kids, did, did someone bite the zucchini? Like it's a pretty easy answer. I know the zucchini has a bite out of it, right? And, and, uh, and 
first of all, there's a few of my kids who just don't really prefer zucchini, so I knew it wasn't them. Eliminate them right away. And uh, and then you know, like my older kids would have no reason to to bite the zucchini, so I eliminate them. So I'm down to about two. Okay, there's about two possible culprits. Only two real real prime suspects at this. It's, it's Oakley and Arrow, my four year old and my six year old. So I, I said, I'm like, hey, Oakley, did you bite the zucchini? And he's like, no. So I went with it. I said, Arrow, did you bite the zucchini? He said, well, where, where's the zucchini? What, what, what's a zucchini? Uh, I mean, well, is there a zucchini in the house? I'm like, interesting that your answer to the simple question, that's kind of a yes or no question, is asking me more questions. I said, Arrow, a zucchini, it's a green vegetable, and it's sitting right there. Did you, did you bite the zucchini? No. I, I would never bite your zucchini. I don't know. I don't know. It must have been Oakley. I said, I don't think it was Oakley. He goes, well, I know it wasn't me. I said, well, we got a problem then, Arrow, because it's either you or, or perhaps we have a rat in our house. He goes, oh, we have rats in our house. Dad, we've got rats in the house. Oh, no. we got to tell Mom. Like, this kid is good. I said, Errol, why don't we just do a little test? Why don't we do a little test? And, and, and I said, I, I noticed there's some teeth marks on the side of this zucchini. Whose teeth do you think this might match to? He goes, I suppose the rat. <laughs> Interesting. I said, Errol, you, you understand that something bit this right. Like, you, you, you get that, right? He goes, maybe those marks were just there. Now, isn't that interesting? That he would assume that perhaps the marks just appeared there. Sure enough, the, the markings matched his teeth. And then he goes, Dad, I'm so sorry. I just thought it was a cucumber. And it looked so tasty. But it wasn't. Isn't that funny? Like, of course we would never assume something just happens. There's a cause that leads to an effect. It's like, it's like a law that we live our life by philosophically. Things don't just happen. So there is a cause behind it, right? But I think when people say everything happens for a reason, that's not really what they're getting at. They're not really trying to say that there was a cause that caused this effect. I think what people might be trying to say is that uh, there will be a good result from this bad occurrence. Do you think that's what people are getting at? Come on, is that what you're getting at when you write it on Facebook? When someone's like, oh, my, my grandparent just died, and you're like, well, everything happened for a reason. Send. Is that what you're getting at? Like, there's going to be some good here. That's a, that's a nice sentiment, but I don't know that you're, you're wording it in a way that is factual. I'm not sure that you're wording it in such a way that if a person were to build their belief system upon it, it wouldn't lead them to some pretty negative results. See, because what it implies that everything happens for a reason is that God, who is sovereign, do you know that word sovereign? Sovereign means that God is the authority over everything. So some people would say based on the sovereignty of God, since he is the authority over everything, he actually causes everything to happen. That when we wake up in the morning, God has a plan for our lives that's so detailed and so purposeful that he causes the, the, the seat that you will sit on that bus. 
and he causes, you know, the, the fact that you will spill your coffee on your shirt. And then he causes the fact, like all those things and that God, since he has the authority over everything is actually pulling the strings on everything in life. And like a series of little puppets, our lives are being manipulated in some way by God, but don't worry, it's for good. God has good things in mind for you. He's got good plans for you. You throw a little Jeremiah 29, 11 in there, season it a bit. He's got plans to harm you, not to, or to, to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope in a future. But it feels like his plans are to harm you sometimes if God is pulling all the strings. It's an interesting sort of statement. Everything happens for a reason. Thrown out to give momentary comfort. Like, I guess when our kids are small and, uh, and they fall and they have an accident and they, they come across some injury, parents we can gather around or adults we can gather around and we can say this, you're okay. No, you're okay. You're okay. And we try to draw the attention away from the blood that is pouring out of their body by simply making the statement, you are okay. And since like, kids tend to believe, they're like, oh, I'm, I'm okay. It's okay that my arm is hanging in a way it's not supposed to because I was told it's okay. But as we grow, we come to an age, a conclusion where we say this, no, I'm not. Like you could tell me I'm okay, but I'm not. This is not a natural way for my bone to work. This is not the way my life is supposed to feel. The pain I'm going through is not something that I'm okay with. So don't just tell me I'm okay. So we dress it up a little bit. Make it more philosophical by saying, friend, everything happens for a reason. I, I know you're feeling something right now, but hold on. Everything happens for a reason. Imagine, imagine like getting in a car accident. Two cars collide. You're at fault. The car in front of you that you just rear-ended, the driver gets out. And he's going, what? And you just come, hey, bro, 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 bro. Hey, everything happens for a reason, man. Like, like don't, don't be sad about this. In fact, I shouldn't even be to blame for this because everything happens for a reason. That's called fatalism. That is the belief that no matter what you do, it's already determined how everything is going to take place. And so you are like an observer in your own life. I don't believe from the whole of Scripture that that would be a sufficient answer to what life looks like. I really don't believe that no matter what you choose, the results will just end up the same. That's a pretty scary and dire thought, isn't it? That your decisions mean nothing. They have no effect. I think it leads to a diminished responsibility about the way we live our lives. So I want to propose to you that perhaps the statement that is intended to give comfort and hope is actually just not quite factual. Like, it's not quite right. And if something's not quite right, it would be wrong. If something is not true, then it is indeed false. You can't have, like, it was 90% true, so it's basically true. Either it is truth, or if it's not, then it's not. I think the statement that is intended to say, no matter what you're going through, like, cheer up. God, God, God made this happen so that something better will happen. So smile. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's the way God interacts with us. And I want to unpack for you in just a moment here what, what two things that we miss out on if we just live in that belief. Like, oh, everything happens for a reason. 
Number one, I believe that when we throw that answer at something, when we just throw that, that, that platitude at a situation, first thing that we do is we diminish personal responsibility. If indeed everything that happens happened for a reason and God is the one who determined that reason, ergo God is the one who made that thing happen, then we as people have zero responsibility for our lives. And I just don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. Why is it that God would want us to develop in wisdom if wise decisions led to no results? You see, in Scripture, there's this principle of sowing and reaping. Brandy brought it up really brilliantly in talking about giving, but it's applied in many different ways. That what you sow in a seed form, not in a needle and thread form, what you sow, you will also reap. That that a seed of a certain type will bring apart or bring about a fruit of that very same type. When you put an apple seed in the ground, you should have no expectation for grapes to grow. If you wanted grapes, you got to use a grape seed. See, it's this really simple principle that we're all like, yeah, of course. But it applies to our actions. The way we live does have an effect. It does. So you're sitting there, you're like, oh, I mean... <laughs> I'm in prison. I mean, everything must happen for a reason. Here's the reason. You stole someone's car and you got caught and you got convicted and you got sentenced. Yeah, I mean, but everything happens for a reason, right? Like it wasn't me. Yes, it was you. And I think far too often we diminish personal responsibility trying to alleviate off someone that moment of conviction where they say what have i done hey 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 hey, hey. don't go down that road man don't go everything happens for a reason no you lied and when you lie there's consequences and when you break your promises there's consequences and when you break the hearts around you there's consequences oh but everything happens for a reason yeah but you might be the reason We have to at least consider the possibility that we are the reason that this thing happened. Now, it's not the only possibility, okay? Go with me on this. Some people live in such a way that everything that happens, they believe to be their fault. You know, like, it's bad weather. They're like, oh, sorry, guys, I brought this weather. I'm from Vancouver. Like, okay, easy, cowboy. Like, you can't take responsibility for stuff that's not yours. Do you know what I'm saying? That's where wisdom comes in. That's where discernment comes in. That's where a growth of understanding comes in, where you say, I can only own what I can own. But I ought to own the peace that I can own. Okay, often in life, when we are wrong, as a result, we also get wronged. Are you following me? You do something wrong. The way someone reacts is also wrong. And now you are two things, both wrong and wrong. I mean, you could just say, well, you know, everything happens for a reason. No, you punched someone, and then they punched you back. Now, you were wrong, and maybe they were also wrong, but you need to be able to discern and decipher. So here's the thing. Sometimes things happen, and you are the reason. Sometimes things happen in my life, and I am the reason. And so for me to just go, well, you know, this is terrible, but (laughs) everything happens for a reason. Here's the reason. You didn't pay your bill. And so they cut the service to your house. God is not trying to teach you something through this. You need to pay your bills. You know what I'm saying? But there's other possible solutions as well. Sometimes things happen to you because of the decisions other people make. 
So to, to, to pin that on God, well, everything happens for a reason. You were abused, but hey, good news, everything happens for a reason. That, that should not be pinned to God. Someone else made a mistake. Someone else made a choice. Someone else made a decision. You have resulted in pain because of it. And now you're trying to pin it to God and say, well, everything happens for a reason. God must have planned this, I guess. Like in the creative process, he's like, no, it would be amazing. Dragonflies, pomegranates, Mount Everest, and, and, and someone getting abused. Oh, these are my plans for, for, like that just doesn't quite fit, right? God who, who, it says in the book of James that every good and perfect gift comes from him. But sometimes we receive things that are neither good nor perfect. But to simply pin it on God and say, well, everything happens for a reason. We'll just ride this one out and see where it goes. Is missing a part of human responsibility. We might be the cause. Someone else might be the cause. Thirdly, it could simply be the result of this. We live in a fallen world. We do. We live in a world that's subject to sin. From the time of Adam and Eve, sin entered humanity. And from the time of Adam and Eve, when sin entered humanity and they chose to go against the plan of God, which I'm going to be honest, was pretty simple. A whole bunch of freedom with a singular restriction. Do you know what happened? They saw a whole bunch of restriction with barely any freedom. Isn't that crazy that we tend to do that? Maybe we're not all that different from Adam and Eve. So much so that, that sin and its consequence now affects all mankind. So we live in a world that's susceptible to sickness. We live in a world susceptible to disease. We live in a world that's actually subject to death. It's appointed to us all. There will be a time where we die. See, the thing that grieves me is that often we throw a platitude like everything happens for a reason towards a person in the deepest time of grief a person in the deepest season of pain and not knowing what to say, being so uncomfortable with our own silence, we just throw that at them as if that's going to help. Or maybe we throw that as a, like our, I'm just going to drop the mic and walk away moment. Here's my time to get out of the conversation. Just wanted to add, everything happens for a reason, okay? Cool, 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 cool. And then we're out. You know, I, I think most people who are grieving would prefer your silence to the statement, everything happens for a reason. Most people who are grieving might just like you to cry with them for a minute. Might like for you to give them a hug or, or say, this sucks. I can think of no good reason for this. Like, like some things we don't pin on the person who's suffering. Some things we don't have to pin on anyone else because no one else is involved. And we simply say, like, the brokenness of the world we live in is painful and hard. First thing we do, I believe, when we just throw that out, everything happens for a reason, is we diminish personal responsibility. And I think there's some people in the room, myself included, that need to look at the things that have transpired in our lives and say, what part did I play in this? How can I grow from this? Because without personal responsibility, there's no room for growth. So that growth may be this, make better decisions. That growth may be this, include accountability in your life. That growth may be this. Like have some people give you honest, real feedback so you can grow. Now the feedback, like honestly, the result might be this. Learn to forgive. 
Because that thing that happened to you had nothing to do with you, but it will affect you the rest of your life if you continue to walk in bitterness. And so as you weigh it out and you say, this wasn't me, I didn't cause this and yet it happened, you have the opportunity to grow in forgiveness. Instead of getting this weird quasi-understanding of a God who does bad things to bring apart good results, you might need to look a person in the face and say, I forgive you. Not easy to do because what you did hurt, but I forgive you. And to be released. You know what I'm excited about this week? I've been thinking about this all week. That when healing comes, health follows. Think about that for a minute. When healing comes, when healing comes to a relationship, health follows. When healing comes to a broken heart, health follows. When healing comes to a mind that is in trouble, health follows. I'm excited about healing stories. I love hearing stories of healing. You know what I love is the health that follows. We don't often tell stories about health, but that's the exciting part. See, not only do we diminish personal responsibility by just simply throwing out the platitude, everything happens for a reason. I think secondly, we diminish the glory that God can receive. We diminish the potential for God being glorified. Let me explain what I mean. If God is so small-minded, so fragile, so incapable about bringing apart good things for us that he has to manipulate bad situations over and over to get us to good. Is that really worth cheering for? Is that really worth praising a God who hurts us so he can then heal us? Like, are you following with me? You've gone through this pain so that you can experience that God heals pain. So, so God inflicts pain and then heals pain, and I'm supposed to give him credit for that? You see, it gives a small view of God. God's grace, the Bible says, is sufficient. Can someone say sufficient? Come on, someone say sufficient. You probably won't use it in a sentence today. Say it one more time. It won't get old. Sufficient. Sufficient. Meaning it's big enough. It's strong enough. It's broad enough. His love is described as high and wide and long and deep. Four-dimensional, out-of-mind, hard-to-even-comprehend love of God. A God with sufficient grace and love beyond all understanding who can do immeasurably more than we could ask for or imagine. That kind of God is so small that he must inflict pain on us so that we can then feel him come and relieve the pain from us. That is a broken way of thinking. If that's the way we think of God, we need a new perspective of God. You say, well, pastor, you, you, you used that sovereignty word before. And if God is sovereign, if he is, has authority over everything, then how do you reconcile the fact that he has authority over everything and yet bad things happen? It's a great question. It's probably one that has, ha, has occupied more late night conversations amongst theologians and average Joes than any other one in human history. If God's in control, why'd this happen? If God's in control, then why did this happen? If he could have caused something better to happen, why didn't he? That's a great question. I'm still grappling with it. I don't know. I, I don't know. I know that he's able. I know that he's in control. The word does say this, that like, like nothing can happen that surprises God. So certainly he sees what will happen, but part of his sufficient grace is this, that he allows human responsibility to be involved. Part of his grace is that he extends choice to us. 
part of his grace is that he has established this law of sowing and reaping. And he said, look, this is the way things go. Now, sometimes, just out of the overflow of his grace, God steps in and says, even though you sowed that, I'm going to cause you to reap something better. I'm going I'm to I'm gonna break the norm here. I'm going to do something exceptional. I'm going to do something extraordinary. But in the garden, when God said to Adam and Eve, because of this sin, the result will be far-reaching, so much so that it will cost the death of Jesus Christ who lived a perfect sinless life and took on the sin of mankind so he could conquer death in the grave. Part of that is him saying, I'm going to stick to my word. Part of his sufficient grace and his sovereignty, and someone's like, this feels like an insufficient answer. True. My words are not sufficient, but his grace is. Like how crazy it would be if I say, in the next 30 minutes, I'm going to describe to you sovereignty, providence, human responsibility. Now go have a good week. That is not how it works. But I would like to highlight this. Probably the verse that gets most often used to back up the, the, the thought that everything happens for a reason is a verse in the book of Romans. Turn there with me, Romans chapter 8. Can you get there with me, Romans chapter 8? Romans chapter 8. In verse 28. Check it out, Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. It says this, and know this. Can someone say no? You're not saying like N-O, you're saying K-N-O-W, just so you know. Someone say no. It says know this. Like don't question this. This is true. Don't wonder this. This is true. This is not like flip a coin. It might be true. It might be false. This is true. You can know it. You can build your life on it. You can trust in this. You can, you can really solidly lean into this. You can rest yourself upon it. You can believe in this and build on this. Know this. That in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. In all things, God works. In all things, God labors. In all things, God works. Now, the slight difference would be this. God doesn't need bad things to happen to you in order to bring about good results. But even when bad things happen, even if you're at fault, if someone else's fault, if the fallen world is at fault, if a strange stew concoction of all of those things have played together into the perfect storm, you made some mistakes, they made some mistakes, and man, life is hard. No matter what the cause is, in all of those things, God is still at work on your behalf. He's still at work on my behalf. And he has a way to bring, the Bible says, beauty out of ashes. He has a way. This is why I believe it, it robs God of glory. Because the storyline is not this. God manipulated your life into hardship so that he could manipulate you out of hardship. Like that person when you're standing on like the edge of a cliff who comes behind you and pretends to push you so they can catch you and then say, whoa, I saved you. Like, no, you're sadistic and crazy. Get away from me. That's the way people sometimes think of God. Everything happens for a reason. Whoa, God did that to me. Yeah, but then he saved you. No. God, in his sovereignty, knowing every hardship you will face, knowing every pain that will take place in your life, knowing the mistakes you will make that will result in, in hardship, knowing the mistakes others will make that will affect you in the process, knowing the condition of the following world that we live in with temptation that abounds. God still has a plan for you. He's still got a way to get good into your life. And, and it's not like he just thought he's actually working. I love that thought. God's working on my behalf. 
Everyone likes to have a guy, right? You know a guy. You're like, oh, man, I need some insurance. No worries. I got a guy. I got a guy. Even when I'm not thinking about my insurance, my guy's thinking about my insurance. I got a guy. You know what I mean? Man, my car's making this really weird noise. No worries. I got a guy. Got a guy. He'll fix the spark injectors. No worries. Got a guy. Don't need to know what a spark injector is because I got a guy. You know what I mean? I need to get this to look good, printed. Like, how do people make things print? No worries, I got a guy. I got. She, she might be a girl, but we still say I got a guy, right? I, I, yeah, I got a graphics guy. Her name's, uh, her name is Melissa. I got a guy. Right? Everyone likes to know that there's someone working on your behalf. I just want to tell you, when it comes to the results in your life, you got a guy. His name is Jesus. He's working on your behalf. It's not fair that you're walking through pain. Like, you might have some things you need to own in that. Own them. You might have some forgiveness you need to develop in that. Forgive. You might simply have to say, God, I am just, like, I'm broken at your feet. I can't make sense of this. I don't see anything reasonable about this, and yet here I am. But I'm going to trust the promise of your word that even in this, you're working together for good. Like, I'm going to tell you something. I don't think that there is a result good enough to outweigh some of the pain that we will experience in life. Do you, do, you, do you follow me? Some pains are so profound, you won't experience something like a week from now. You're like, wow, I'm so glad I went through that profound loss because now I experienced this. There's some things that just the scales will always feel tipped that way. But the Bible promises this, that the, the, the pain we experience in life, no matter how profound, no matter how unjust, is nothing compared to the glory we will receive in heaven. So part of what we lean into is this. Somehow God is working right now on my behalf in an unreasonable situation that I caused or was caused to me or just sort of happened. I can't make sense of it. But God is working to get good into my life. And so I think a better phrase would be this. God can bring reason out of the most broken circumstance. Okay, like God can bring reason out of pain. There's not a reason that everything happened as if God needed the pain to bring the product, but God can work reason into the brokenness. One of my heroes in the Bible's name is Joseph. Joseph uh, was called by God for great things. I'm going to ask the band to come back up as I conclude. Joseph had this, this amazing call on his life, and so his call was to be the leader of all his brothers, which is a cool call. Um, he, was, he was the 11th in the list of brothers. There was 12 of them. He was the second youngest. And, uh, and so he came and told his brothers, as an 11th would do, guess what? I had this dream last night. God told me I'm, I'm better than you all. Any little brothers in the room? Not your best play. That and a, a series of other little things, maybe a little part that he owned and some that was done to him caused this. His brothers made a decision. We are going to sell you into slavery. So his brothers saw some people walking by and they said, hey, are you looking for an extra slave? We'll take anything. And they actually sold their brother. Like their little, their cute little brother. Like once upon a time, they were probably playing games with him. And then a series of things that included him saying, hey, guess what? God called me. I'm better than you all. And then they sold him. They came back and told their dad, man, a wild animal came out of the forest and ate your son. But don't worry, Dad, everything happens for a reason, am I right? Their dad's heart is broken. They're living in guilt. Joseph's living in slavery. 
So he gets he gets to this this place in in a nation of Egypt, and he's working for a man named Potiphar. He's doing his best, and he he like history would say he's he's probably in his late teenage years. And while he's in Potiphar's house doing his best, like working hard, the wife of his master concocts a a a, a tale about him, and accuses him of assaulting her, when in fact he ran from her assault. And now not only was he sold by his brothers, thought to be dead by his father. He's now thrown into prison. Don't worry, Joseph. Everything happens for a reason. Am I right? Like God's been working this all out, man. The rejection of your brothers, the heartbreak of your father, the lies told about you, and now imprisonment. God's in this. While in prison, he did his best to serve other people. He did his best to love other people. You can find this whole story in the book of Genesis. And, and while he's in prison, then there's this one guy who's like, I, I'm, I'm so distressed. I need some help. Can you, you help me out? I had this dream. It's crazy. Joseph, in a moment of God-ordained wisdom, says, here's exactly what God was trying to tell you in that dream. I just want you to know, in, 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 in three days, you're about to be taken out of prison. And the, the, the king of the nation is just going to lift you right out of prison and redeem you completely. When he does, please remember me. Like, don't forget me. And tell him that I'm here wrong too. Like my brother sold me. My dad thinks I'm dead. I was accused of things that aren't true. And I've been stuck here in prison. Don't forget me. Sure enough, exactly what he says happens. And he's forgotten. Don't worry, Joseph. Everything happens for a reason. Like how does that help? Brother sold him. Dad thinks he's dead. Falsely accused. In prison and forgotten. And years go by. Years go by. It comes to time, you can read it in your Bible as well, that, that the king has a dream. And now years later, the man who had, had had his dream foretold, he's like, oh, I got a guy. I got a dream guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't need, I got a dream guy. He's in prison. Can you pardon him? And so they bring Joseph out of prison, and the king says, I, I've had this dream. Can you help me? Crazy story. Joseph says, I, I can actually. Like, I can't, but God can and standing in the gifting that was on his life, he, he gives wisdom to the king. And the king says this, whoa, you're so amazing. I want you to be in charge of the whole country. Can you do that? All right. So Joseph now ascends. He, he's in charge of the whole nation. Isn't it crazy that in those moments, like when good things happen, no one comes along and says, hey, don't, don't forget, everything happens for a reason. It's only, we only say it to bad things. If everything happens for a reason, we should say it all the time, just saying. And uh, there, there's this drought, okay? The drought comes, the entire land is like no one has any food except for Egypt. Why? Because Joseph's wise and he led them into prosperity. And so even though everyone else is suffering, they're doing well because God is with Joseph. And his brothers come, the 11 of them come out, the ones who had sold him. And they come and they, they have to ask him for food, but they don't know it's him because they thought they, they left him for dead, right? Like they sold him into slavery. Why would he be the king? And he was like young then and now he's old. And he used to be like shepherd style fashion with a multicolored coat. And now he's in the latest Egyptian trends. It just didn't, like it wasn't, you know. So they're like, ah, oh, yeah, we, we shouldn't look at you because you could smite us. And, and here they are. There's this moment and they're all bowing down before him. Imagine Joseph. He's like, whoa, this is the dream. Like this, this is, whoa, I am better than you. Like 13 years have transpired. And he says this crazy thing to, to his brothers in this moment. And I guess this is, 
another way, like place where we kind of lean in and we're like, well, see, everything happens for a reason. But he doesn't quite say that. He says to his brothers, hey, guys, it's me. It's Joseph. And they immediately are feeling remorse and fear. I would be too. Like, what did we do all those years ago? What were we thinking? We're so petty. He told us his dream and we sold him. They're also feeling fear. He's now in control and he can kill us. They're probably also thinking, what's dad going to say? Right? The perfect crime. And he says this, hey guys, I don't want you to feel bad for the part you played in this. He doesn't say you played no part. He doesn't say everything happens for a reason. He just says this, hey, I don't want you to feel remorse because God has, has worked this for something good. He, he's not, you know, like kicking all the pain he experienced under the rug and saying it was, he just said, hey, it's an amazing thing that God did. You sold me, which was wrong. I probably shouldn't have told you my dream. That's my bad. And then I was accused, and then I was forgotten in prison, and I've, I've worked through character things, and I've become the person I am. But, but God's been working in all that for something good, because now I get to actually help you. He's not saying, thanks, guys, for selling me. That was a good plan. You didn't even know it, but everything happens for a reason. He's simply saying this. God worked out reason in all of this, and so I still have to live with some of the pain of that. We're still going to have to live through some of the tensions that resulted in you selling me. But I don't want you to live in remorse anymore. I want you to be free of that. Because God has this way. That's, that's the sovereignty of God. He didn't give the idea to the brothers to sell their brother and give the idea to a woman to falsely accuse him and give the thought to someone to forget him. But working through all the injustice that took place in Joseph's life, God never left him. He never forsook him. I'm going to leave you with this. Psalms chapter 37, verse 5. If you're taking notes, write that down. And I'm going to pray with you. Psalm chapter 37 and verse 5. Psalm 37 and verse 5. Someone's like, Pastor Justin, you did a bad job explaining that. I still am trying to figure out the sovereignty of God. Well, join me. We'll have a coffee and talk about it someday some more. And we'll still be a long way off from making sense of all of it because we're not God. But it says this, Psalm chapter 37 and verse 5. It says, commit your ways to the Lord. Trust him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Commit your ways to the Lord, and then he'll do some stuff. Commit your ways to the Lord. Even ways that don't seem fair and don't seem right, commit them to the Lord. Commit your ways to the Lord. Even when, when injustices have been done to you, commit your ways to the Lord. Even when you've made some mistakes and you feel unworthy, just commit your ways to the Lord. You say, God, I got myself into this situation. Here I am. My family is shattered, and I'm part to blame. Here I am, I, my, my career is in question and I, I play a part in that. Whatever situation you're in, commit your ways to the Lord. You know, the, the word commit means to roll. I think that's a crazy thought. To commit means to roll. Like when you go bowling, you have something in your hand and then when you release it, it's no longer in your hand. Are you following me? Why? Because you've committed it. You took the thing that you felt like you had control of, you did your best to make a decision and then you commit. God's saying this. Take your ways. That means your whole life. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Take your ways. The things that have happened to you. The things that, that maybe you've, you've caused. Whatever those things are. And just say, God, here's my life. It's a big old mess. But I'm going to roll it up. And I'm just going to commit my ways to you. And then God will do this. Like he's trustworthy. He can work all things together for good. 
Have you ever heard the saying, you got yourself into this mess? You got to get yourself out of it. Another statement that just isn't true. Every mess we've ever been in, we probably got ourselves into. But God who is great, God who is worthy of praise, who deserves all the glory and all the honor and all the power and all the praise, he stooped down to lift us up out of our situation. He stooped down to make us great. Not because we've earned it, not because we've deserved it, but because he is good. Would you bow your heads? We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.